0: Hi, this is Josh Belk with the Belk on Business Podcast. Just privileged today to have uh, with us Austin McCurdy from Sharper Personnel. And uh, a little bit of a different direction today, we're going to, uh, a lot of our podcast on our platform, we talk a lot about finances, and uh, today we're going to talk and focus specifically on hiring. I've known Austin, I guess probably for most of most of his life, yeah. uh, actually my parents uh, actually bought the house that uh, he lived in when he was a younger guy. and. And, uh, and then through the years that we've attended, uh, we attended a local assembly here together for a, for a few years. Now we have the opportunity probably cross paths and venues across the country more than we do here locally. Um, but uh, I think you'll find today's podcast a tremendous value is we're gonna kinda dig in just a little bit in regards to hiring specifically. And often owns a company called Sharper Personnel. And uh, has really just become a uh, an expert in in many ways, and, and I know that word's kind of thrown out, uh, thrown around a lot, but really become an expert on uh, on the hiring process. And uh, Austin, I think you owned a, a number of Papa John's uh, fr- uh, franchises uh, for for a number of years here in the uh, Northwest Indiana area, and uh, and through that process, and probably also through owning other companies, and. And working with people have learned a lot. And, of course, I just really dug in and, and studied into a couple areas that we'll talk about as we go through this. So um, Austin and, and uh, you know, for somebody who started up a company and, and for myself as well, started up a company, it always you know, we kind of run through that hurdle of going and hiring our first employee. Or we get to the point of wanting to scale our business. And and one thing is always, okay, we want to hire a person for their skills. We want to, we're want. we trying to find that that, that perfect employee. But I think a lot of times, maybe companies make mistakes by uh, by not evaluating such things as culture and core values before they go into hiring an employee. Can you? I mean, what is more important, or what sort of weight should be given to core values and culture uh, more than skills, or should it be weighed equally? What does that What does that look like?
1: Sure. Well, I'll. Um I'll uh, I guess introduce myself a little bit then sure, I'll lead into that question too. So yeah, it was something that um, working in a high turnover business. You know, I think I had I figured up one day I had six thousand people that came through the door. Um, so a lot we were always hiring literally every day when we, we built up the scale, hiring every day, usually terminating every day. Like it was just always a constant process. To um, so then when we started work, when I started working with sharper. In working with small companies from a business consulting standpoint one of the first things that comes up is this question almost every time hey we're wanting to scale we're wanting to grow step number one is we have to hire people you know when we set 90 day goals with you guys um that, you know, we work with you as well um first goal is always revenue what are we gonna do for revenue this quarter my second question is always who are we gonna hire it's always revenue because the revenue is going to determine if we can even hire somebody and then it's like, okay what position are we hiring for this quarter And so working with small to medium-sized businesses, they just don't hire a lot. Um, It's not something that's constant They may may make one or two hires a quarter, maybe two would be a lot, maybe one, right? So they're not familiar with the process. They don't know what to ask. They don't know a lot of those questions. And so that's where it kind of just came up that I just did it a lot to where now the recruiting company, people are like, hey, can you help us with this? And so we were like, yeah, I guess we could help you with it. So it just kind of organically happened. Right. we started doing a lot of hiring. Where I think now, I mean, I don't know what we've hired this last year, but you know, several, several hundred, maybe, maybe pushing five, six hundred just in the last year of especially in the real estate space. We actually have moved over into uh, we we're hiring somebody in manufacturing right now what they tell me they're hiring for or a, a dental assistant, something like that right now that they're hiring for. So we've kind of moved into different verticals as well with it. Uh, just because again, small to medium sized businesses, it's not what you guys do. You don't hire a lot and um, kind of need help with that whole process. So jumping over to cultures and core values, it's one of the questions that we ask on our initial questionnaire with everybody is what are your core values of your company? Um, and those are things that are, um, they're not real tangible. Like you don't know what that is. Um, I always tell people this, what's the difference between what really is the difference between you and your competitor? I mean, you're an accountant. I mean, me going down the street to whatever other accountant, I mean, I'm essentially going to get a very similar product from them. Mm-hmm. Right, so, what is the difference? And the difference is the people that work there. You know, I always tell the story that um, uh, down the street here, right down the street from us, there's a Taco Bell on one side of the street and there's a Panda Express across the street, mm-hmm. and it's right down the street from my house. My um, Seven-year-old loves Panda Express. You ask which ones to eat, we're gonna to go to Panda Express. The two middle ones like Taco Bell. So it's great. I can go to Taco Bell, drive across the street, pick up the Panda Express, it's all right there. Except that I won't go to that Taco Bell. I'll drive over to the one in the other town, I'll go to that Panda Express, drive back past my house to the other one. Well, what's the difference? I mean, the food is exactly the same. They look the same truck. They use the same machinery, right? the same uh, cooking machinery. They use um, the same processes. Everything's exactly the same except for one thing, and that's the people who work at that, that Taco Bell compared to the other one, right? I, I'm, they always take forever to take my order. They're slow. They usually mess my order up. There's a lot of things going on as to why I won't go there anymore. And so when we're talking to small, medium-sized businesses, it's what is, you know, your people are really going to make a difference. Talk about culture now. Um, I, I use that example there. What is the difference between those two Taco Bells? everything else is exactly the same it's the one has a manager whose culture is we're going to do it right we're going to do it fast we're going to those things the other one is just whatever goes and that goes down to the employees from there and then the culture is created by the manager the leadership and the employees that are working there so when all new employees are coming in here's the culture we will stay in the in the fast food thread with that they want chick-fil-a what really is special about chick-fil-a right now we're in the we're in the chicken sandwich wars right everybody's got their own chicken sandwich right now and chick-fil-a is still i I think they're the number one per restaurant sales of fast in the fast Mm -hmm. food category and they're not even open on sundays They're only open six days a week but you go there and i mean their chick-fil-a their sandwich is good but it's not like it's this amazing chicken sandwich You know, I I personally prefer the Popeyes one, don't tell my daughter that she's like, like, that's God's chicken at Chick-fil-A, you know, but the chicken sandwich is just a pretty basic chicken Mm -hmm. sandwich. And, uh, but when you go there, what is it about? It's the service, where is that coming from? I mean, they're essentially hiring the same talent pool as everybody else, the same price point as everybody else. It's not like they pay an astronomical more for their employees than the other ones do. They've created this culture Right, where well, they all, all say, "My pleasure." My pleasure. Right. Right. The, the culture is one of they're all. I mean, they're they're walking around, people entering the trash. will see you and say, "Do you want me to refresh your drink?" Right. That that culture is just completely different when you go to Chick Fil A. I opened up one of my stores in the Chicago market here. I uh, won't say which one, but um, we really, really struggled with employees at that store. Just the the getting good employees in and the culture of that restaurant. We had a really hard time with it. Um, I had to bring employees from other stores to try to work there, things like that. Well, when I sold them all, um, right down the street, they opened up a Chick Fil A. They're going to pull from the same talent pool I, I was pulling from, and I, I thought like they're going to really struggle. Those they're just late all the time and all, all kinds of stuff. I dealt with stealing and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I pulled up that Chick Fil A when they opened, and it was like going to any other Chick Fil A in the country, right? Really, my misconception, you know, of the employees, they were able to overcome because of the culture that they have in there. So a lot of small businesses, right, you look at large companies, you know, Disney, Apple, you go through them all, and you can quickly Google Papa John's, Google Chick-fil-A, what their core values are, right? Um, What their purpose of their company is. Um, When you get to smaller companies, a lot of us haven't done that. We think, oh, that's just, you know, whatever. It's not that important for us, right? What we're doing today uh, is important and it really is because it sets the tone for how you hire how you fire how you um how you incentive how, how you reward employees i was just yesterday uh with a client uh one of our consulting clients and on the list of issues for the quarter four names went on the list and we literally first thing i did when we got to them. i didn't ask him what the problem was with the employee i didn't ask him what the performance level was i wrote down the core values of the company the clients of ours have identified them and said here's your core values I said, okay. Went around the room. I said, where does each one of these employees? Are they a plus, a plus-minus, or a minus? You know, on, on it. plus being they exemplify the core value. Plus-minus, room for improvement, but they hit the minimum standard for us. And then the the minus, they're not there at all. And I literally went around the room with the leadership team, about ten people, and I said, plus, plus, minus, and minus. And we wrote it all down. And almost all of them. Measured them the same in the in the core value. Uh, I forget which core value it was. I want to say it was hard work or something like that. The hard work category. Um, no, integrity was one of them. All of them ranked them negative. Th- that employee. Mm-hmm. And I literally finished. And obviously in that say I, I never I never recommend or say they should let somebody go. That's their decision to be made. But I literally it's, all I did was put that up there. And I'm like, any questions? Anything else we need to? Just, I don't know if this is a productive employee or not. It was just somebody they were concerned about. And they all were like. Yep, it's time for us to have a conversation with them. So the core values, as a small company, don't think this is just some like corporate voodoo thing that they do. It's important for you to know what your core values are. And core values are things that aren't just, I'm sorry, it's I'm done. You know, my, my personal core values are consistency, honesty, respect, and excellence. You know, and when somebody comes along, and uh, Gary, Gary will joke about it, but, um, well, I think uh, you, you spend time with Eddie Wilson. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, when I'm in an event, I try to identify, I'm in a, a, one of Eddie's events. One of the things is, like, he will stop, and he will talk to me like there is nobody else in that, in that room. You know? And uh, it's that, that respect. It's one of my core values, and I recognize that. And it was like, I think the world of Eddie, it's literally because I feel like he respects me, and it's a core value for me. As soon as I feel like somebody doesn't respect me, it's like I'm, I'm done talking to them. You know, Consistency is another big one of me. So make sure the company, you identify what those are. There's different ways
0: you can go about doing that. And sure. So their core values, there. Uh, I know there's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say test, but yeah. essentially uh, um, a process you can go through to kind yeah. of identify what the core values are. And it sounds like the core values uh, for and of course, I know what they are for me personally sure. in the company. Um, having gone through this uh, exercise before, yeah. uh, but it sounds like the core values really kind of are like the North Star for our company. So if, uh, and, and, and I know for, for us here at the firm level, it's kind of one of those things we don't even want to work with a client. So it's not just employees yeah. or hiring, uh, trying to identify whether or not a new potential hire is going to match those core values. But even today I had two sales calls today mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, at, the, at the firm level. And I, when I'm going through the asking questions, uh, more than do I care about you know their structure? Do I care about anything else? What they have going on or their their pain points? Although we're there to solve the problem, it's really kind of okay. Is this client going to align with with our core values? Even uh, even at the, even at that level, to make a determination of whether or not I, I want to work with them. Yeah. Um, so the so the core values really a, kind of a north star, and then and that sounds like it really should take a little bit not ultimate preeminence, but definitely take a priority. Uh, sometimes maybe a little bit even more than the overall skill set, yeah. which we'll get into the analysis here in just a minute, yeah. which is kind of where your area of expertise. Yeah, and
1: I'll tell you this: the core values. Um, that is what I recommend the first in person interview. And we recommend a th- at least a three interview process. We can talk about that in a minute here. But that first in-person interview, that entire interview is about, does this person match our core values of the company? You know, um, and that's that literally what it's all about. At that point, you should have already vetted through their resume and through some other, mm-hmm. other, other tools, whether they're qualified for the position. You know, at this point, and, and there should have already been a phone interview taking place to kind of verify this is a real person. Mm-hmm. But by the time they're coming into the office, it should be, are they going to be a core values match in here? Um, you know, we talk a lot about that right person, right seat. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of says it uh, like just trivial, like just it's a catchphrase. Right people right seats. Well, really, it's two different things going on there. It's the right person in the right seat. You can have the wrong person in the right seat, and you can have the right person in the wrong seat. So, right person, wrong seat is somebody that matches your core values, right? They're loyal, hardworking, salt of the earth, just a great person, mm-hmm. but then the wrong seat, which is they can't, um, they can't achieve the goals that the business needs them to achieve, right? They can't produce what the company needs them to produce. Um, wrong person, right seat is that person that is, doesn't match your core values, but they can get the results you want. Right, they're the person that comes in the office and everybody cringes and nobody wants to deal with them, but they get the results. I often find it's easier to fire those people than it is the people that match your core values. But when you have the wrong person in the wrong seat, like it's it can really really be calving, especially as a
0: small as a small business owner. Okay. You don't have the uh, leeway that large corporations have with it. But okay um, and then we'll get we'll probably pick up on a couple of these as we run through the, sure. the rest of these questions but uh, we're going through and we're going through the hiring process is it is it you know sometimes it's kind of like a, as, as especially maybe business owners who are more focused on the bottom line uh, than maybe having you know the highest quality person that that uh, to, to come in uh, but is it, it what does that decision-making process look like as far as you know should I just settle for someone you know, who's willing to take less pay, maybe I'm not gonna get as high of a quality of work out of them, or is it better off most of the time for businesses just to say, you know what, I'm gonna pay more, maybe even pay a premium to make sure that I have the highest quality employee, or is that kind of one of those things It really just depends on what, quote unquote, seat I'm trying to fill in my company?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a question I get a lot, and it's a complicated one. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's no like straight answer to it. I always, first off, ask people, what's your budget? Like, What can you really afford? Right, because I mean, let's say you're looking for, right now we, we look for a lot of integrators or COOs for small companies, right, operations managers. And, and you can hire one for 50 grand and you can hire one for 250 grand. And you know, both of them, and sometimes you don't need the $250,000 one, like it's just, it's just not what you need. Um, and, uh, but it's like you, you could spend all over the map for one, where do you land with it? So first of all, I think you have to figure out what can the company afford? I mean, what are you we're we looking for at that level? Um, number two is um, I always recommend you pay as much as you possibly can pay at the higher end of it. Um, I think you get get what you pay for, right? Um, I think number this is this is too i I'm finding that a lot of business owners are not, um, especially we work a lot in the real estate space, mm-hmm. and they're used to running comps on houses, but they don't run comps on their jobs. What I mean by that is they don't go to a job the job boards and say how much are my competitors paying. You know if i'm looking to post a job for an integrator how much is everybody else paying for a coo in this market right how much is everybody else paying for a salesperson um i've seen a lot of people that have been posting jobs at half the price of what the market is getting getting for and then they don't get any applicants and they can't figure out why it's like you're not in the range. at the same time you shoot at the bottom of the range and you can go to place on salary.com we can actually put in your zip code and the job and find it out. Go to Indeed, look look it up. It's not going to cost you anything to do it. Take you about sixty seconds, and they'll give you a range. And then guys will pay the bottom of the range. I'm like, well, then you're going to get the bottom of the, yeah, the applicants cool. are mm-hmm. going to apply. The you know, let's say it's a sixty to ninety range. The ninety thousand dollar employee is not going to apply for the six thousand dollar job. Well, you're paying for experience. Is what you're paying for. So back to the original is How much experience do you need this person to have? If this is somebody you're looking at saying, okay, my company is, this position is kind of a new position, you know, this is somebody that can grow within this position, you probably can pay towards the bottom of the range, understanding what you're going to get. You're going to get somebody that's going to have to grow with the position. If you're like, okay, we just lost somebody, we need to bring somebody in, you're going to pay at the top, top, of, top of that range. Um, with it, um, I, I read some interesting information in the last couple of weeks. Um, you, you were just at the event; I was talking about it. Um, to as somebody who's a passive candidate, in other words, they're working someone they're not looking to leave their job. Their number one motivator to get them to leave their job is money. Like that's what will take to move to move them. Um, you take somebody who is actively looking for a job. And when they surveyed those people, they found that they were looking for advancement opportunities. It wasn't so much about the money. It was they were looking for advancement, additional training, things like that. So it's um, if you're trying to pull somebody from somebody else, you're probably going to have to pay a lot more. Um, and again, I was going to be paying for experience. How much experience do you really need? You need to kind of evaluate that. Um, and then be prepared to pay. You know, if, if, if you need someone with experience, be prepared to pay quite a, bit, especially in this market right now that we're in. Um, you know, there's a lot of jobs out there, um, and people are getting a premium, even when they don't have the experience, because they're just paying so much right now. Mm-hmm. So you do kind of prepare for that. Okay. My recommendation is get what you pay for, pay as much as you possibly can. Okay. So, so I'm an established. So I'm an established
0: company. I am going to make a determination. I have a seat that needs to be filled. Uh, what is? Uh, is there kind of a process in place or a? Uh, process as far as in thinking as it relates to whether or not I hire from within um, so I have an empty seat say it's a middle level or upper upper level of, of management in the company uh, what, how do I go about making that decision whether or not I should bring uh, hire from within uh, promote from within versus uh, going outside the the company and bringing somebody else new in yeah
1: my suggestion and we actually have this on our questionnaire as well is are there any internal candidates like is there anybody internally it should always be your first go-to is internally to go back to the first thing we talked about hopefully by this point you know if that person in your company is a culture a good culture fit so you've already taken that off they also already have an understanding to some degree of the company itself and more than likely the position that you that they would move into so the learning curve is much, much quicker. You don't have to explain them company policies, you don't have to explain how things went around here. They already understand, they're just learning a new job. Um, so, and back to, I mentioned that act, people who are actually looking for a job are because there's no advancement opportunities in their current company. So it also shows that you have a culture of promoting from within and moving. My dad worked at UPS for 35 years. Mm-hmm. He started out working the, the, as a clerk Then he moved into a package car delivering packages. Then he moved into driving a semi, right? And they were each better jobs than the one before. And when they actually trained him to drive a semi, like he was in training, it was part of that. UPS always looked internally and allowed people to move up to the company. So my recommendation is always to look internal first and see who you have. You already should know a lot about this person that you don't know about the new candidate coming in. and, uh, and, again, you already know their culture fit. They already understand the company learning curve is a lot shorter. However, in small companies, a lot of times there's not. Like we're, for example, with you, you're looking to hire somebody. You may be looking for somebody to kind of replace some of the duties you do. And you know, a, a, an, a new incoming person just isn't going to be at that level. And you've got to hire somebody that has got some experience. Mm-hmm. So you may have to go outside at that point. Um, but I always look internal first.
0: Okay. And I'm sure if you're um, looking to kind of shake things up, Sometimes, uh, yeah. the, maybe looking outside first might be, might be the, but otherwise, it sounds like looking at first. Yeah, think, there may
1: be, if there's a different strategy there, like you're looking at a department and saying, hey, I need to, oh, you'll see it in sales a lot. You know, sale, the sales departments will get a little complacent. So, the manager will bring in a new salesperson okay. who's a very dominant kind of person to, to challenge everybody to get them going. You know, I used to do it in the uh, pizza delivery world. I bring over a delivery driver who was a very, very aggressive driver you know, because the guys were going too slow and it would kind of mm-hmm. get them to pick up the pace a little bit. They should never break the speed limit, by the way. So, <laughs> but, you know, just to move, h- hustle on their feet, not in their seat, at least they tell them. But I bring another guy and all of a sudden he would be delivering faster, he'd make more money, he'd be taking their deliveries because he's getting quicker, you know, and they, they would all pick up the pace. So yeah, if, this, if your strategy is trying to mix up the department, that's different, but, you know, generally speaking, if you have a position to open up, you want to look internal first and see if you have somebody before you go outside. Uh, As someone who,
0: I mean, literally just onboarded or hired an employee here just a few months ago and kind of going through this process, it's a very different economic environment that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of even the the process of trying to identify someone uh, and then, you know, a very competitive environment right now in in hiring. And it it was not a fun or an easy process. I know that um, Sharper Personnel, we had engaged them and really kind of helped us a lot with um uh, with this with kind of building out this process but especially right now in this economic environment what is the best process uh for going about hiring an employee Well, in your industry, we're, we're with a few people in the industry.
1: You all's um, recruitment time is extremely long. Like it, it, you need a very specialized person for what you guys mm-hmm. do. So it's it, it's your recruitment. I was talking to somebody else. They told me that last time they had hired for a position, we we're helping them with. It took them, I think, nine months to find mm-hmm. somebody in the previous company that they had worked in for that position in, yeah. in accounting. Like it's really really tough. Um, but um, process right now so. Kind of a little bit of information, too, is the the what they're running into right now with the job boards is that companies, because you have a lot of these free job boards like Indeed, things like that, where you can just post a job for free. So what a lot of companies are doing is they're creating these ghost jobs where it's just if the right person comes along, they would hire them. So they'll just post a job out there, not necessarily for actively recruiting them just in case somebody comes along and sees it and wants to apply. Or they'll forget to shut it down after they've hired, or whatever. So you go to the job board, I was just looking for somebody in San Diego, and it was there were nine thousand project management jobs available in San Diego. Because people were just weren't shutting them down. They're just ghost kind of jobs. So after that you are dealing with a lot of perceived competition out there. So it will tell you that we're recommending a lot of our clients that they Um, kind of put a little bit of money behind boosting those posts to get to the first page because there's just 50 pages of jobs number one Um, number two um, the recruiting side this um, we're working with it now it's kind of I almost hesitate to talk about it because we're kind of testing it right Mm -hmm. now Um, not that it's a new concept but it's a new concept for a lot of our clients in in the small business space is um, uh, offering um, sign-on bonuses it's something that not a lot of small medium-sized companies are doing um some of the larger companies in different industries i was reading about it in the lumber industry i'm sorry the sawmill industry they're doing it right now is they're offering sign-on bonuses to differentiate themselves from their competition um, so when people are on the job boards looking that jumps out so it's something to go look at and see uh, is your competition offering sign-on bonuses and then sign-on bonuses can be structured all different kinds of ways yeah you know, it's not like Day one, when they start, you're handing them a $10,000 check. You may say, I'm going to pay it out over the course of a year. It's going to be paid out quarterly. You're not going to get it for the first 90 days. I know somebody recently got one that it was spread over three years. You know, But still mentally, it's, oh, I got a $25,000 sign on bonus. Right? It's still not there. So I, uh, I'm kind of recommending that just because i got a bunch of guys offering that right now. We'll kind of see how that, have more information for it later if it worked for us. But it's something um, that's kind of kind of big right now in the economy we're in to try to differentiate yourself. I'm seeing a lot of industries offering that that weren't offering it before. Um, but from there, you know, post your job on the job boards. There's a bunch of them. Is really kind of where you're going. Now, that's where people are going to look for jobs. Referrals are really good. But keep in mind that referrals are, um, especially somebody internally, um, referrals are some of the best people to get in. Um, but keep in mind that the person that referred them usually is, has an interest in getting them onboarded. So they tend to be more successful, not because they're better candidates, just because the person that referred them is working with them more, right? Because it's, it's their cousins, whatever, and so they have a best interest in it. So don't always gauge that, oh, referrals must always be better than just the candidates that are coming off the job boards. It's usually something internal that's happening as to why they're better. But really posting the job boards, then what we recommend is using an assessment tool. Um, we use predictive index where we run cognitive, which is how fast somebody solves complex problems. It's the number one predictor of job place performance. Then we use behavioral, so we're looking at is this person going to actually enjoy the work we're asking them to do. Okay. Um, and then from there, we're, we are looking at some past ex- Well, I tend not to look too much at experience, and I'm more of looking for skills. Now, to say that, you know, it doesn't matter how much I want to be a, an accountant tomorrow without an accounting degree and passing you know, the, uh, whatever the t- test is called. I like I can't be an accountant, right? I have to do... So I understand there's certain jobs, which is what makes your industry difficult, that people have to have certain certifications for. But if you're in an in a industry or a job you're hiring for doesn't have to have certain certifications, don't necessarily look to see, have they done this exact job before? Look to see, do they have the skills? You know, have they done something similar to it before? Kind of widen your funnel a little bit uh, and look at that side of things. Um, also keep in mind that... The job market is a lot different than when our parents, you know, were, I probably should have actually said ahead of time, your dad, how long did your dad work at the company he worked for? Uh, about 40 years. Yeah. So my dad was 35 mm-hmm. before he retired. That previous generation would just stay at the same mm-hmm. place. It was just the thing that they did. Uh, there's some different...
0: Yeah, because you gave an interesting statistic last yeah. week on kind of generational, I think the millennials... They're hopping jobs every year and a half or something. Yeah. The statistic you put up,
1: yeah, yeah, they're jumping like I think it's every two to three years right okay. now. It is so when you but but that's the, that's what we're in right now in the job market. So what a lot of, a lot of employers are doing is they're looking at a resume and they're saying, you know, oh, this person changed jobs every two or three years. That's actually the thing right now. You and I have a, have a mutual friend who is um, in construction in major commercial construction that every two years. He's looking at changing jobs. His current job puts one to two year contract and offers him, you know, they they lay it out. And he stayed with the same company for several years now, but every two years he's looking at what's out there because it's a very, very competitive market. And that's kind of the way things are done now. It's not like when our parents working and they all work the same place 30, 40 years. So experience. Um, is something, so experience is only a 12% predictor of long-term job performance. It's actually, just because somebody did something before doesn't mean they're actually good at it. It also, I heard, heard somebody make this comment the other day. Somebody saying they have had they have eight years of experience very well may mean that they did the same thing for a year eight times, right? I mean, if I'm working at an auto factory, putting, turning the same bolt for 35 years, and the other guy has done it for a year, is it that big of a difference? probably not so things like that you want to kind of dig through and also with the era we're in people's resume and there's resume builders out there there's people who coach people on how to write resumes there's people in a resume can kind of I, i hate sales i despise it i'm a terrible salesperson however i can put together a killer sales resume gary at one point uh, Gary Harker at Sharper gave me the title of sales manager at one point. I was not the sales manager. Gary was the sales manager. He just, like, it's on my business card. And I could <laughs> and I could put that on my resume, right? And I've helped in sales in Sharper, so I could put down, I've helped sell this, many, this much money and revenue. Um, I, I sell PI subscriptions, which is more like I teach people about it and they tend to get a subscription. I could. I mean, I was the number one salesperson in PI like two years in a row. Like, I sold True Green when I was in college. I mean, I can put together a pretty good resume. You know, now I worked at True Green and worked there like two months and didn't sell a single thing and hated every minute of it. You know, the sales for Sharper is really, I'm more of an order taker, Gary sells everything. But I can put together a really good sales resume if you're offering enough money for the job. So you look at a resume, you know, um, kind of to tie into the processes. Once I've gone through resumes, I'm looking for skills. Um, My phone interview that I have with them at that point is really, I get them talking about the job they worked at before. I don't ask a lot of questions because then based on them talking, I can understand whether they really did what they said they were good, like what what they put down that they did. If they can talk intelligently about what they did and can give me a lot of information, then they probably did it. If they're just like, oh yeah, I did sales for two, I, I did sales at True Green. And that's where it kind of
0: stops, and they can't tell me much more about it, probably don't have a lot of experience on it, even though the resume may say it. And I'm assuming probably the excitement level or the energy level that they bring to the conversation probably a little bit of a a tip off as well on whether or not they enjoy the job. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely, too. You're looking for
1: kind of those verbal cues and stuff like that. And then from there, we usually go into an in-person interview, which is kind of a cultural interview. And then I always recommend, too, that you have somebody on your team who's gonna work with them. You know, who's on day-to-day also interview them for like a third interview as well to get feedback you know if, you, if your team isn't bought into the new employee coming in, it's probably not going to work either now again depending on how many layers of management you have but i always recommend at least a three interview process a phone interview and then two in-person interviews you know a lot of people can um get through one or two interviews you know look pretty good about interview number three I mean, you've talked about so much stuff they just you'll find out more because they're running out of things to say and they'll kind of really get to the meat of what's going on
0: it's always a recommendation now you had uh, mentioned uh predictive index yeah and uh, so what is the kind of maybe the best way to predict how well an uh a, a candidate may do in that particular job is a predictive index uh primarily if you want to kind of introduce us to that concept yep. it was something when i first heard it i guess probably a year maybe a plus uh, ago now i heard you talk about it uh, of course uh I took the the test myself mm-hmm. and i know my team did as well and assessment it was, assessment i'm no wrong answers okay and the test is wrong answers, okay I got assessment you. Is not, All right. so. so i took the <laughs> assessment as as did my team members at the time yeah and it was really enlightening uh you know as far as my existing team members kind of really knowing uh, the best way to kind of interact, but I know it's uh, you know it's a tool that can be used. But can you kind of talk a little bit about sure. that and, uh, and and what that does <coughs> for you? Yeah. So the top three predictors of job performance
1: are number one somebody's cognitive ability, number two um, do they have a growth mindset which is hard to assess, and number three is behavioral assessment. Now you
0: mentioned cognitive. Yep. So a, lot of, people, to yeah, yeah, so a lot of people yeah yeah a lot of people think that's intelligence. But, yep. So okay. those are the
1: top three reasons. The, Bottom three, I'm not going to remember them all, but I'll kind of give you the bottom three, the worst predictors are number one, they're just like me. Managers do it all the time. Oh, they remind me of me when I was his age, like that comment, it's actually not, just because they were like you 20 years ago doesn't mean they're going to be a good employee. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is um, trick questions in interviews. I get a lot of people that do that, coming up with these made up scenarios, trick questions, is actually not a good predictor of job Police performance. And um, number three, I forgot what the third one is, but those are the kind memory. of- Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. So kind of give you right. an idea of the top and bottom. So cognitive is, right, is not intelligence. Cognitive is how fast does somebody solve complex problems. That's how I can describe it. Uh, illustration is I used to teach high school math. And I hand out math tests to the class. And if you all think about when you were in class, you're probably going to immediately think of people in your class mm-hmm. that fall in these categories. So one kid would finish in 20 minutes, one kid would finish in 45. Right? They both would score 100%. Well, which kid is smarter? I don't know. And everybody would immediately think, oh, the kid in 20 minutes is smarter. It's actually not what that means. Because they both are going to get 100% of their score on their, on their test. They're both going to get A's on their report card. Actually, the, the, the student that was in one of my math mat classes in high school, she was always the last one to turn her, her paper in. But at the end of the year, she had the best grade in the entire class. Right? And you would have looked and said, we all were frustrated because we'd all be done with waiting on her. It's not until, but back to that. So they both score 100% which kid have a cog- higher cognitive ability the kid that finished in 20. that's what that's what we're measuring he was able to solve all the answers correctly in 20 minutes 20 minutes the other student did it in 45. Okay. so that's what cognitive is just so happens that how fast somebody solves complex problems is the number one predictor of job place performance at around 42 percent predictor resume is about 12. okay so whether they've done it before is only about 12. so it's very very high However most of us like ignore that and again a lot of it is people think it's intelligence um, think about IQ being the size of the sponge cognitive is how fast does the sponge absorb it's another way of thinking about it okay, okay. so um, what, what I've experienced in the work environment is you have that um, employee that team member that needs you to explain things three times right like they're gonna get it but they're gonna you're gonna to explain it and they're gonna get it back a second time then maybe the third time they we'll finally get it then you have those employees that you tell them the first time they're like got it right they just learned it quickly um, it's a really good re- replacement or a thing that uh, a replacement i could say by this word for experience because really what is experience experience is they already solved the problem before i'm not asking them to solve a new problem they've done it before and they're just applying what they've solved before well if i bring somebody in with a high high cognitive score that's not done the job they, and they can solve it in 30 seconds, it's gonna look a lot like experience because they can solve it so quickly. So that's where it's a good exchange, which is also why we don't run cognitive on current employees who are performing at a high level. Okay. Because they're already doing the job well, I'm not worried about them learning how to do their current job quickly. So that's number one with cognitive. We run, we run all that on every candidate. Um, the growth mindset one, I usually will go after that one in the interview by asking them what have they done in the last 12 months of additional like, learning, have they read books, have they gotten some additional certification to see if they have this mindset that they wanna grow. I don't know an assessment that will give you a growth mindset and it's just, I just found that out. That's kind of how I, how I look for it, is just seeing what have they done. Uh, last one is predictive index, which we use not only for hiring, it's about a 28% predictor, still very, very high. We also use it to know how they're gonna interact with the rest of the team. Behavioral, behavioral is what motivates somebody. Um, and which we're looking for is, is the job we're asking them to do actually going to be the motivator, right? Is the job the carrot or is the paycheck the carrot, right? And so, because if, if you like what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, I always remember, I hate mowing my grass and my dad's watching this, I blame him for it because we had to mow <laughs> after, we, after my parents sold their house to Josh's parents, we moved to five acres and I had to mow five acres with a push lawn mower. And so, I hate doing yard work. So my yard looks terrible because I'm like doing yard work. Um, I, I uh, grass will get really long. I have no landscaping. It looks terrible. Across the street from me, he retired ten years ago. I'm pretty confident to mow his grass. He mows it every other day in the summer. Mm-hmm. He has 27 bushes and trees in his front yard in a neighborhood. Like I, it's just his. He would never dream of paying somebody to mow his grass, let alone even let them touch it. Right? Whereas me, I will hire somebody. I don't want to touch it. My neighbor actually wants my grass for me. It's great. So. Why, but why? Because he loves working in the yard, and because of it, his performance, is, his yard looks amazing. I don't like working in the yard. My yard looks terrible. And that's the, kind of the concept we're looking at employees. If you hire somebody who's only coming to do the job for you because of the paycheck, right, then what's the motivator? More money. The only way to get them to continue the performance mm-hmm. level is to put a bunch of rules in there and threaten them with their job or continue to offer them more money, right? Incentive base this and that. Um, and not that you've got to pay what's average for your like you're not going to be able to pay less and then do this right you got to pay what's average for your industry or for that position but that a lot that's a big determining factor performance and engagement level is did we get somebody in a job that they really really enjoy doing i talked about how much i hate sales you put me in sales i'm not gonna like doing it it was like you know we assessed some of your employees and kind of went over it and one of your employees that I think does, does a lot of bookkeeping, and I saw it, it's like, wow, he really likes bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. And I think he's done it for
0: decades at this right? point now.
1: And I, I can look at the behavioral and say, why? Because he's motivated by that type of work. If I were to go and put him in a sales environment, he may do it because he needs a paycheck, needs to support his family, not because he likes sales. And so that's where just so happens that that
0: is a 28% predictor of whether they're going to do, do well or not, if they actually enjoy the job. Okay. So as a, as, a, as a business owner, um, so you kind of, I know we talked a little bit about process, that hiring process. Mm-hmm. Uh, should, you know, me as the business owner, I'm looking to hire someone, should I be doing the, the interviews or is it one of, is it, is it you know, I know you mentioned there were a three-interview process. Yeah. Or is that something that should be outsourced? Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire interviewing process, is it hybrid? You know, what? really, what yeah. you know what should that look like? Because kind of going back, you said earlier, sometimes we have a tendency to hire people we like. Yeah. And uh, I know, you know, when going through doing interviews uh, um, uh, that uh, people, as far as individuals that were sent for us, that, I did not. I did not enjoy the process. And then, you know, kind of going through that and, and probably, you know, those first impressions sometimes get seated in our head and maybe we make a, a decision. Oh, this person kind of comes across as a jerk. Well, maybe they're just nervous, yeah. uh, you know, whatever the case may be. So maybe it's best to outsource that. I mean, what, what is, what sure. is the, kind of the so best so practice? I'm going to be a little process? jaded
1: because I own a freelance mm-hmm. recruiting company that sure. does that, so I'm a little jaded with it. But even internally, so in Sharper, we have mm-hmm. eight, eight, eight companies right now in our ecosystem. All of them utilize and pay the recruiting company like we they, they, they pay for it um, i i'd like the third party doing the initial screening for, for that very reason and for that very reason because they have no best obviously their vested interest in, we want to get you a candidate mm-hmm. but whether it's your brother or somebody who just applied off of a job board, we don't really know that difference. And maybe, we would say it's your brother-in-law, we wouldn't know the name difference. So we'd be like, we would treat them exactly the same. Which, when it comes to hiring, and you and I have this conversation, it's about, employees in general, it's about consistency. So you hire a third party to do that process, to do the front end process, everybody gets treated exactly the same, right? So then you get, even internal candidates, like we, we have people who will put their internal candidates through that exact same process, so they all get treated exactly the same. Um, so the, the company like ours, what we will do is we will help write the job posting, we will screen all of the, we'll go through all the applic- applications, we'll run all the assessments, essentially collect all the data. And then we'll hold the initial phone interview to say, yes, this is really a real person who's really looking for a job. We're not going to be able to check core values, so we don't know what yours are necessarily. And you've got to see if you match them. Mm-hmm. But we can get all the data together, together for you. And then at that point, now you're sitting down and you're not worrying about okay, is this person this or that? It's already been done. All the vetting's been done. Now you're just saying, okay, is this person a cultural fit in here? You know, is this person that's going to work in our company? Do they do they hit all the points that I want them to hit from there? Um, and it's uh, you said you're not. A lot of our clients don't want to sift through 100, 150 applications. Like sitting down to dig through that and what exactly are you looking for. I recommend a a third party for the first batch and then the last two interviews are internal. Um, In small to medium sized companies, I recommend that you have somebody else in your company interview them for that first initial interview Mm -hmm. and then the owner interview them for the last one. Um, really to check and say, do I feel like they, they, they get the vision? That's really a vision conversation too. They get the vision of where we're going and they get a cultural fit, fit in here as well. Core, the master core values. Exactly. So you kind of hit
0: the, so you have somebody kind of on the outside screening and then you have yeah. somebody internally, which is kind of gonna be more concerned about the more the day-to-day performance. Right. And then you're gonna bring the owner in yeah. to see whether or not they feel exactly. that this individual lives with that, vision. I how, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. that's how we
1: do it at Sharper internally. Gary interviews the final mm-hmm. interview okay um is, is the final one and then he gives us feedback based on that but we've done all the leg work and all the front end work before that you know especially as, as known there's a lot going on and you know you don't want to be sitting through i was sitting at a conference um with um oh i forgot his name i want to say jim cook and he's the uh the owner of boston brewing company which is sam adams beer okay he, he, he started that company and owns it um and he talked about for decades he he did the final interview like he was involved in it they actually use predictive index as well they want to predict the next they were actually when they first started boston brewing company they started using pi pi's around since 1955. okay and so he was part of that that, that interview process to this day i forgot how many, the thousands of employees they have he's not part of that but he does all of the on he has one day of all the onboarding class so everybody sees him for a full day in their onboarding class still So I I think as much as possible, I mean, not that you're sitting there as the owner going through those applications, but you at some point towards the end should be involved in that process of checking that as well. Okay.
0: Austin, a ton of incredible, valuable information you've given to us today. Uh, somebody wants to work with Sharper Personnel. Can you explain yeah. a little bit uh, how they get a hold of uh, how they get a hold of you or your your company, and then what does that process look like? I, I mean, right now it's it is difficult to find people, and yeah. and, uh, and I'm sure, undoubtedly, there are there are listeners that uh, that uh, want to reach out and want to engage with you. Uh, can you give us a little bit of contact information? What does yeah. that process look like? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: you can always go to sharperpersonnel.com. On there, there's a link where you can uh, kind of fill out uh, some information for us, Okay. So kind of get to, look, get to know a little bit about your company, see if it's gonna, we're gonna be a fit for you or not. Um, and then somebody from our office will immediately, usually within five minutes, reach out to you from there and kind of walk you through this process that I've been walking, walk, walking through. Um, and you can always email me at austinsharperprocess.com as okay. well. The website might be easier to get you more information. Um, from there, we have you fill out a questionnaire, like I said, we take that, jump on a call with you, and then we have an in house copywriter that writes the job posting, okay. um, puts all it all together for you. They also will give you some feedback. That they, we actually internally, well, we actually will run comps to make sure that, you know, can we find somebody in your market? Are there people looking for jobs, jobs in like, that kind of job in your market? What's the standard pay? Things like that. Like, we don't take every job because if we don't feel like we can supply it, we're going to tell you, hey, this is a really tough one right now um so we'll kind of help you with that first part of that consulting a little bit on, on helping to put it all together we'll at the job posting we'll post it on the job boards um then any think about us as lead managers so anything coming off the job boards any leads that you have referrals things like that all are going to come to us we at that point are going to run the assessments on them cognitive and behavioral we're then going to hold the initial fund. we're going to go through all the resumes i'll make sure they're updated a lot of times the job boards are not updated you need updated ones from them check that we then are going to hold the initial phone interview and then provide a packet with okay here's who this person is here's they hit all the markers you us you were looking for Um, we also do not recommend who you hire we're just collecting all of that data and saying here so we're we're bringing it down from 100 down to maybe five that's and here's the five people who actually qualify And meet all the markers we're looking for in this job. And then from there, it's for you to decide which one of them fits the company based on
0: your interview and internal process. But we're going to bring it all the way up to that point there for you. That's great. Awesome. Austin, appreciate you being here today. Um, Once again, this is Josh Belk with the Belk on Business Podcast. I would encourage you, if you haven't already, please consider uh, subscribing uh, to the Belk on Business Podcast. Leave us a review. And once again, if you want to get a hold of uh, sharper personnel, we'll put the information in the show notes. Uh, Austin, once again, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome.